we can't expect um, our management styles and our leadership styles to stay stagnant. We, we have to adapt with the changing times and we have to adapt to what our employees are needing. Looking after our mental health at work has never felt more important for all of us. So welcome to this very special season of the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and for this series, I'll be talking to expert CEOs, human resources, diversity, inclusion, and other leaders in their field on the very current and necessary topic of mental health within teams and in the workplace, whether that's in an office or in your home. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast, another episode of this season touching on mental health in the workplace. I want to welcome Selena Alcover. She is the Employee Experience Manager at a company called National Grid. Welcome to the show, Selena. Hi, hi. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you. And of course, we've never met in person, but we're put in touch uh, and, and spoke briefly on the phone. So I'm excited about this uh, conversation. Uh, so just to warm us up, we just love asking the same question to everyone. Uh, just off the top of your head, what would you reckon is the most important piece of advice that you've gotten about your work or career? What's a good bit of advice that you've had? Oh, um, I think it's probably just to say yes. Um, to anything that comes your way, it, all in, in retrospect, right? But um, just saying yes to those opportunities um, that, that anyone gives you. So especially me being, you know, within the first, you know, 10 years of my career, um, I've just been open to any opportunities that come my way, any additional projects, um, always keeping in mind, you know, my bandwidth, of course, and having that good work-life balance, but really just trying to stretch myself and meet as many new people and network because um, that really helps create those opportunities um, that come your way. I love that. So true. And a second question for you. Uh, what did yeah. you most need to unlearn to better yourself at work? So was there anything like barriers or conditioning that you just had to go, oh, this isn't going to serve me if I want to get to the next level? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I think uh, me personally, I, I came from a retail background. Um, and especially it was very, very go, go, go um, type of environment. And I, I feel like once I entered into kind of the corporate world in that different environment, sure, there's still kind of a momentum and to work at a, a quick pace. Um, but there you really do have to pause, reflect, take in those um, various diverse perspectives um, and, and really just wait for people's opinions and, and try to collaborate more where I feel like in the retail environment and in customer service environment, you really have to act on your feet and use your gut instincts. Um, and again, still have to use that at the corporate center, but you really have to pause, reflect, and, and ask your peers and your colleagues for assistance and guidance before taking that immediate next step. I think that's somewhere where I kind of tripped a little bit when I first joined the corporate center as I was so driven and task driven to get things done is that I forgot to pause and and ask for people's um, help or advice along the way. What was the what was the downside maybe to to doing that sort of the steam train going through things? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, right. You're not pausing to really get people's buy-in. Um, you're, you're ending up with a result that's very one-sided towards your view instead, instead of pausing, reflecting, getting the insights of others to further build your case around whatever project or, or pitch, pitch you are working on. Um, so that's where I kind of found the downside. Sure. You're able to produce a result rather quickly, but it's not the best quality um, that it should be. And there's something about reading your environment a little bit. So there's different oh, stages sure. of your career, but also different environments where we've got to sort of pause and adapt into what's going to make us most effective in that space. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's all about the audience and, and, and the environment you're working in. So of course, I think from company to company, the culture of the company that you're working in, that's something that you just have to adapt to. Yeah, and I, and I love your your answer earlier about saying yes to things. Uh, I pr probably would uh, attribute a lot of my success to saying yes to things. And then you get to this interesting tipping point when you've got um, so many yeses and opportunities that you then have to go learn how to say no, you know, no. in oh, order yeah. to look it's after definitely, your mental <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely that double-edged sword. So you have to tread lightly and be careful, but yeah. Well, it's a, it's a tough transition when you're in the habit of, the yeses to know to mm -hmm. then end up sort of de de deciphering which ones are, are yep. the most useful at the time. Um, e excellent advice. So uh, give us a little flavor of your thoughts around this topic of mental health at work. Like, are you seeing a rise in mental illness? Do you think it's relevant for the workplace to be having this conversation? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I think now more than ever. So you, we are focused on mental health at work now more than we have ever been before. So you had mentioned, right, I work in the utility industry. So we're used to responding to storms and working around the clock with that pressure and that stress until all of customers' power is restored. So we're used to that kind of fierce environment and working on your toes and go, go, go. But this pandemic is, is by far the longest storm that we have ever encountered within the utility industry, within, within and many industries. Um, and our employees, they're faced with this, this daily work um, while balancing the care and the safety of themselves and in their loved ones at homes. So, you know, the lines that employees once created for work and home, they're extremely blurred. And I think this leads to a level of stress that, you know, many are, are not accustomed to. And, you know, there is this stigma associated with mental health, you know, but, it, but in my opinion, this pandemic has really shed a new light on this topic. And I think it's because many people are facing these new realities and these stresses that challenge them to challenge them personally and their personal mental health and in ways that it hadn't before. And, you know, managers and leaders alike within that work environment can, can empathize a, a little bit more than I think they were able to do before. You know, when you have an employee that has their baby crying in the background or their kid, you know, popping into the video shot, their managers and their leaders can relate because the exact same thing is happening to them. Yeah. So there's something quite connecting in a strange way yeah. um, uh, about the, the pandemic or the position that it's putting many people in. Um, mm -hmm. I agree with you just around the stress levels, um, you know, where we've all experienced stress at some level. Now there's this shared sort of stress yep. that is affecting us um, in it from a community perspective. Some leaders find that transition, even though they might be experiencing the same thing, some find that transition of like authenticity or vulnerability yep. uh, a bit easier than others. 
So, you know, you've got that, the, the, still the people in the more old school ways of, of working who might find that quite challenging. You know, what do you say to them? Do you think, hey, we've all just got to get on board and get really real? Or, you know, some people are just resistant and still have the walls up. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Um, and I think we find that. And even in the utility industry, I mean, we have many employees that have been with our company for 30 years. So we have many different demographics of employees that I think are responding differently to this situation. And I think the message is that the world is forever changed. Um, we can't expect um, our management styles and our leadership styles to stay stagnant. Stagnant. We, we have to adapt with the changing times and we have to adapt to what our employees are needing. I think there, there used to be a mentality in the workplace where, you know, at work, right, you talk about work. It's, it's focused on um, the priorities, the projects, um, it's very results oriented and driven. And you kept that home life at home. And, and that was naturally, I think, what employees even did themselves, right? You try to create that work-life balance. You try to keep those things separate. And now it's in one big mixing pot. Um, and so the way that managers and leaders have to react to that is you have to be, um, you know, open. You have to ask those questions. The way we were checking in with our employees before when, when they were in the office, it looks different now. So we, we don't see our employees face-to-face -face every day. We, we're managing them remotely or at, you know, at a distance. Um, so those check-in measures, they have to look differently. And of course, every single manager's style is going to be a little bit different. And, but at the same time, we have to ask the right questions um, and we have to ask them frequently because I think in my own personal experience, just in, again, my personal experience, and also what I've seen is that mental health can, it can hit you very quickly. It, it's sometimes it's slow to develop and sometimes it is a switch. Absolutely. And for anyone who's had a buildup of, of stress or trauma or uh, personal experiences uh, over the, the last months or years, the, the pandemic and the stress now could just be that bit that pushes yeah. them over the edge in a way. So you're right, it can be that slow burn or that sort of quick cycle. Uh, and managers need mm -hmm. to adapt or perhaps ask different questions. When you talk about those remote check-ins, what are some of the things you think managers or leaders should be saying? So I know there's the, how are you? And maybe that could be a bit more loaded now, right. like, no, how are you really? But are there other questions right. or ways that, that um, people can effectively check in when they're remote? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I just had a meeting the other day with one of my colleagues and I think working at home and in, in these virtual settings, when we enter into a Zoom meeting or whatever that meeting is, we go straight into the topic yeah. of whatever that that subject ma that subject matter is about, and it was actually nice. I entered into a meeting with one of my colleagues, and I started going right into the agenda. And she was like, "Oh wait, I, I just wanted to say, like, how are you? How, how are things going? You know, I know, um, you know, you had a child during a pandemic or whatever this looked like." And she was like, "Oh, you know, just how are you?" And, and to your point, right? It's it's a more of a loaded question. But then even asking deeper, you know, what did you do this past weekend? How are you and your family doing? And of course, we always want to be protected that, you know, maybe our employees don't want to share personal things about themselves. And that's okay. Um, but just asking about, you know, even hobbies, what did you do for fun this weekend? What's, what's something, even that, that question of like, what's a, a balloon or a brick, if you've heard of that saying where it's like, what's a positive thing that's happened to you this week? Or what's something that's negatively impacted you? And let's talk about that. 
Um, you know, it doesn't, they don't have to relate it back to their personal life if they don't want to, it can be work related, but it gives them a forum and the opportunity to share. And what I find that makes it even more open is when that other person from the other side or that manager or leader potentially champions that activity. So let me share something that positive that has happened to me this week. And, and let me share that something that has challenged me this week and, and how I dealt with it or who I leaned on. Um, you know, you, you want to lead by example in a way. Um, but again, it's, it's asking more well-rounded questions. Um, of course the, Hey, how are you doing? It's more loaded and that's impactful, but we need to dig a little bit deeper. I love that super good, specific, practical suggestions. Um, what's your experience or are you experiencing this, the always on culture impacting our employees or yourself? I know you have a young child as well, which we'll get onto in a minute, yeah. but this idea of, you know, we used to have these buffer zones to walk to the next building or the next floor mm -hmm. or to, um, you know, change environments. And we'd have, yeah. you know, let me go to the bathroom and grab a coffee and chat to somebody there. And now it seems like video conference is just like on the hour on, you know, with no buffer in between. And it's just like, yeah. I, I find it as well. I've got to switch hats to get into a different headspace. Um, but it's just yeah. because we're, we're scheduled to the max. And then perhaps yeah. we've got young children or the personal experiences. So then because we're, we can always be on, we just keep going into the evening. And also with yeah. different measures of lockdown, perhaps there's less social uh, places where we can yeah. go. So it's just becoming work and screens on an astronomical mm -hmm. level. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely, we're constantly looking externally at, at what other companies are doing um, and also just trialing things internally about what are some ways that we can create connectedness, um, but create to your point, just variety in the way that we're working. Because right, I think before when we were in the office, I was just talking with a colleague the other day, we used to get up, you know, once an hour and just walk down the hall to the cafe, fill up our teacups, have a quick chat, not work related, get back to our seat and get back to work. And that kind of breakup of the day, it really helped re-energize you, right? Just having that social interaction, talking about something separate from work, and then going back into it. It, it brought you back to a, a, a pace where you were able to give more to your work. And to your point now, it's literally Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, um, and you just get exhausted. So one thing we're also recommending is that instead of having um, meetings booked for you know 30 minutes or an hour, that you take more segmented time. So instead of scheduling that hour meeting, schedule a 45-minute meeting. Um, that way you have that 15 minutes buffer in between that next hour segment or the next 45 minute segment to, to get up, walk around, um, stretch, um, at, at our utility company, we're very much safety focused. Of course. So we're constantly encouraging employees to get up, move around, take a wellness break, get a glass of water and, and do those things and, and try to change your environment. And we're also just trying to, you know, introduce, you know, virtual water cooler sessions, um, coffee chats. Um, again, they are virtually, but we're just trying to take time in the day to catch up about personal life, like things that would naturally happen while you're in the office, where you're kind of just, you know, having those, those natural organic conversations. So yes, of course, now it's, it's a little bit more forced, um, but we're hoping as we continue to provide these opportunities, they can become more organic in nature. 
Yeah, completely. Uh, and just on that topic of, of the constant Zoom meeting, I love the let's do it for the 45 minutes or the, the yeah. shorter blocks of time. Is there something around seniority, though? So if the higher ups request the 45 minute meeting, then people are like, yeah, all right. But if the, the people maybe lower down on the ground, maybe they feel uh, less power or, um, you know, a freedom to be able to, to call that and say, oh, actually, could we do this in 45 minutes instead of an hour? You know what I mean? Um, right. There might just be a different spread. Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's it's part of the culture, it's the behavior that we're we're trying to get into, and it's definitely a leading by example thing. So it's something that we're really heavily promoting um, right now, and with the leaders kind of demonstrating that behavior, um, it kind of trickles down into the organization. Um, I, honestly, I haven't found that it's specific within within um, a, a level of leadership. Yeah. Um, and, and thankfully that, you know, that's a good thing. Um, and it, it really does challenge you to making sure you're, you're delivering at that pace and getting the topics done within that meeting. And sometimes it doesn't always work, right? Sure. Um, usually you come to the end of that 45 minutes and you say, wait, does everyone have an additional 15 minutes because we're not done? And of course, naturally, you do yeah. because no one's scheduled like that 15 minute block. Um, but you just, you do the best you can because otherwise, like you can't even get a bio break in because you're literally going from back to back. So yeah, and I think we're all learning, adapting, and testing uh, with this sort of new normal, as people are calling yeah. it. But but I love that you keep saying because it's very much our ethos as well. Lead by example. So where mm -hmm. uh, people at the top are factoring this in, um, it really uh, gives permission for for other people right. to go. Oh, it's okay to to sort of behave in this way or adapt in in some way. Um, there's certainly a lot of adapting going on. Uh, there's also Absolutely. there's also a lot of fear. So just because of the the, the media, the just um, even fake news, um, but also the polarization for some people, and and I guess thinking wider than than your workplace, um, with you know I believe this about the pandemic, or I've got this conspiracy theory, or I'm really anxious about my health, and I'm like oh for God's sake, you know. So this real, where there's this connector that we're all globally experiencing something, I'm also mm -hmm. seeing, especially now that we're a little bit further in it, this polarization. Um, do you see any of that? And um, do you have any thoughts on just how we can support that team cohesion when perhaps people are coming at this from very different angles? Yeah, I mean, I think the view that you always have to have on it is that everyone's feelings are valid. It doesn't matter the stance or the feeling they have within the pandemic. Um, and me personally, so I'm based in the the Northeast in, in the U.S., and but uh, pretty much all of my family is based down in the South. And even in within the United States, the feeling regarding the pandemic in, in the North compared to the South is, is very different. And of course, it might be a political affiliations or what have you, but it's very different how, you know, the states are handling the pandemic in themselves. But even within, you know, just the Northeast and the employees th that we have, right, there are various levels of opinions, feelings, concerns, fears, and everybody is at a different state in their life. You know, whether you have family or school-age children at home, everyone is handling it differently. Um, and again, I always go, yeah. yeah, oh, uh, absolutely. And, and again, it just goes back to everyone's feelings are valid. So it really isn't a one size fits all approach. It really is just um, really having active listening um, and be able to take it case by case. Because within your teams, you, again, you can't have that one size fits all approach for your team. You have to kind of handle your employees individually and, and um address their needs individually.
Perfect. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to dive into a little bit of your story and your connection uh, to the topic. So uh, why is mental health important to you? Give us the little uh, uh, kind of feeling about your experience. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, you know, I briefly mentioned um, I have a baby at home. He, he's going to be six months um, this month, with, which is crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, so I, I had a, a lockdown a pandemic or COVID-19 baby, whatever they're calling it. Um, yeah, I had my first child um, a month after the country shut down. Um, so not only was I dealing with all the natural anxieties of becoming a parent for the first time and that impending labor doom, yeah. <laughs> um, but, I was, but I was now faced with bringing um, my newborn baby into a worldwide pandemic. Um, which is something that you do not read in that um, what to expect when you oh, are expecting no. a book. There's no appendix. <laughs> There's not a like, chapter. <laughs> no. Just in case the world's falling apart. <laughs> yeah, what to do? Things. Yeah, no. There's yeah. no emergency guideline. Goodness, what was that like? No. So you're so, so you're, yeah. you got anxiety layered on anxiety. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I basically I found myself completely isolated, um, postpartum, and in the throes of really the worst of it. So. The support that my husband and I had lined up um, with family and friends, you know, to come and visit and to just help care for us while also the baby, that all dissolved, right? So we feared for the, the health of ourselves and for our newborn baby boy. Um, and we weren't able to have that level of support that, that we had lined up. It, it went from having, you know, visit after visit, which I know people's opinions on having people come to visit is, is all over the place. And, and personally, where we were living, we did not have any family nearby. So we had tons of people just coming who were excited to meet their first grandchild or whatever that was. But also, we were open to having that additional support. Um, and that was completely, you know, taken from us. Um, and I also, uh, unfortunately, had complications during my birth, which, you know, left me immobile for pretty much the first two months of my son's life. And I've always been a very active person. Um, I did some type of physical exercise every day leading up into my son's delivery. I think literally the morning I went into labor, I did like an exercise virtual session oh. the <laughs> night before. So always very, very active. You know, it was something that helped me de-stress, relax. And it, it was something that was just for me. You know, it got those en endorphins pumping. But since my doctor's orders had me completely off my feet. You know, I, I felt like I didn't have any coping me mechanisms to turn to or, or even additional friends and family to really lean on. You know, I, of course, would connect virtually, but it just, it really wasn't the same for me in that moment. You know, I needed someone to just hold my baby so I could take a shower or a nap. Um, and what I'm hearing I, I needed, is you, you had the perfect, you had a plan. So you read the yeah, books, oh, you were sure. prepared, you were exercising, you were healthy, you had a plan yep. of action for, for support. Like you were switched on to the fact that having a first child can be challenging uh, mm. and it's useful to, to kind of have the support in place. And then that plan dissolves. Um, oh, pretty absolutely. much immediately, you know, you, you don't even have much time to adjust to it because you're, you, nope. you, you, you're going into labor sort of a month into um, a pandemic. So you said postpartum, are you, did, did, just that immobility and not having the coping mechanisms as well as the support, so feeling isolated. Where did that leave your, your mood and your general state of mind? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely one of those people that I, I never really thought too much about my mental health. I had a very easy, breezy pregnancy. Um, there was nothing high risk or even medium risk about it. It was very low risk, in fact. 
Um, and right. So I, I, I didn't even consider ever getting postpartum just depression or postpartum anxiety. Mm. Um, but being postpartum, it left me and my husband, I mean, both extremely sleep deprived. And I'm sure all parents around the world know what I'm talking about. That that piece of advice that they say sleep while the baby is sleeping is always easier said than done. Yes. Um, it did not work for us. Um, and so I was extremely sleep deprived. Um, my body was completely depleted. Um, and I was just my, um, my hormones. Oh my goodness. Like, I don't think I cried once during my pregnancy. I know a lot of people get emotional during their pregnancy because their hormones are raging, Mm -hmm. did not have anything, but postpartum, I have never cried so much in my entire life. Um, I mean, it was, it was a daily thing. You know, my husband was extremely concerned for me, um, and my health, my mental health, my physical health. Um, and again, there was very little support that we could get, um, because we, we were just so concerned about keeping our son safe. We didn't want to let anybody into our house to help us because we didn't want anyone to touch him or to infect him with COVID. We were just so afraid and fearful. Um, it just left us paralyzed. Um, and and it was by far the most difficult thing I've ever had to deal with my entire life. Yeah, and you just had, again, the stress on top of the stress. And presumably, you were taking a bit of maternity leave during yeah, this time, yeah. but then also reintegrated into remote working uh, within a pandemic uh, within that. Just uh, tell us about just perhaps that recovery process, which which I know. I've, I've got two kids and, and uh, experienced depression myself. They're teenagers now. It does happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do know that you can have the process where you get to the next phase of being uh, so, sort of surviving and being able to, to show up a little bit. But the actual process of maybe feeling yourself or coming back to, to a place of balance can take a hell of a lot longer. Um, just talk us through that process for you of, you know, getting better yourself, what, what helped, what worked, and then um, transitioning back into becoming a working mother. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, what we tried to do, and again, because I really just, I wanted to go for a walk, like I wanted to take my son out in the stroller and go around the street and, and get the sun on my face. But like I said, um, I was under doctor's orders to literally be like in bed for the most part, I, I wasn't able to go for those stroller walks. And we lived in a townhouse at the time. So what we just tried to do every day is I tried to get on my balcony and just get the sun on my face. Um, I, I was very much just someone who needed to be outside, who, who needed that fresh air. Um, and, and, and what we did um, eventually, I think it was when my son turned about two months, is we actually got a friend who we felt comfortable, who was taking social distancing in the pandemic very um, seriously. And we let her into our home to help us. You know, we just, we had to accept that help. We were just getting to a point where we could not do it by ourselves. The, the whole term, it takes a village yeah. is a real thing. It truly, truly takes a village. Um, and I can even tell you right now, I mean, six months postpartum, I still do not feel a hundred percent like myself. Like my body is not myself. You know, I, as, as a mother, you're there to, to serve your child, to keep them alive. You know, I'm a breastfeeding mom. So I, I'm there as a vessel for my son to keep him healthy and alive and well. And so I hear from a lot of um, mothers that you don't feel completely yourself until like a year after birth. And I I think I I probably will believe that um, because I'm six months and I can definitely say like it's night and day between where I was for the the first few months for that newborn period 
happen now, but it's, it's still difficult. It's still challenging. Um, but I can, I can say that three months postpartum is, is when I finally started feeling a little bit more like myself. You know, my husband, uh, my child was sleeping a little bit better at night. The naps were getting easier. Um, really sleep was critical. Um, sleep deprivation, it can, it can do crazy things to the mind. And it certainly did, um, crazy things to me. And to be completely honest, you know, going back to work, although it was stressful to think about of, of balancing work and baby and everything else, it did give me a sense of purpose. It, it brought me back to something that was mine and something I was good at. Um, and it challenged me and it just, it got me out of that mommy mindset and, and really helped me feel like me again. I know that's personally not everybody's um, experience, but I think for me, it really helped getting back to work um, and be able to come back to some type of a normalcy. Even though it was remote working, it helped to, to focus on, on work-related subjects again. So you went back to work early, even though we're in a massive pandemic and uh, your, your health was affected in a big way. I'm just curious about your reasons for that. Sort of, did you feel the, the pressure to, or was it um, something like, was, was home life just becoming, uh, closing in on you? Yeah. So I think the personal reason for me is, uh, again, I'm a, I'm a big planner. So I, I literally planned to get pregnant and to have my son at the beginning of the spring so I could en enjoy maternity leave in the spring, in the summer, in the fall, because I was planning on having all that time off. And oh, I was wonderful. thinking about all these activities I do outside and visiting family in Florida and, and all of these things. And with the pandemic, I was unable to do any of that, right? I couldn't travel sure we could go outside a little bit but again i had shared i could barely go for a walk in my development without getting physically exhausted or having pain um so the reason why i decided to go back to work is thankfully my company supplies the opportunity to take that um that parental bonding leave intermittently so i'm able to use it before the first year of my child's life so what i had decided in, in decision with my family was that i would go back to work early um, because again, I was stationary and because I, thankfully I was working remote, you know, I, I don't think I would have made that decision to go back early. If I had to go into the office every day, it would look sure. very different, but because I was working remotely, it was easy for me to go back. Um, and, and I saw it as a way of, since I can't really get up and move, I might as well, you know, get some work done and be proactive and, and help, you know, engage that part of my mind, which again, I shared, it made me feel more like me by being able to get back to, to work in the swing of things. And then also, you know, my hope is that before the end of April, which is when my son was born, that things might be a little bit better within the, the world and the environment. And I can hopefully be able to have more family come to visit and feel more comfortable with sharing him with friends and family. And that's when I'll take more of that maternity leave time and be able to fully enjoy it. Because I just felt like I couldn't fully enjoy it because I, I, I couldn't share him with anyone. And it, it broke my heart that I had to introduce him to so many friends and family through a window or through yeah, my, my FaceTime screen. Yeah. Um, so the hope is that I can take more of that maternity leave time um, in 2021, really, um, in, in the hopes that, that things might be, that we might have a brighter future then. So for a real planner... Um, this yeah. really was a bit of a... Oh my goodness. I mean, they always even say with your birth plan, right? Like, don't make a birth plan. Like, nurses and doctors attached. laugh at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, my birth plan, nothing 
I mean, some things happened the way I wanted to, but like a majority of them did not happen (laughs) in that way. So it has definitely takes my type A personality and completely just, yeah, thrown, thrown out the window. Goodness. Any opportunities in that though? Throwing out your whole type A personality? Um, I mean, I I can't say, right. It's, it's, made me into a different person and, and even in the work environment it's it's made me into a different leader and and honestly w- what I always try to do and especially during this pandemic is I try to look at the bright side of things um you know so I, I couldn't have friends and family come to help me um I couldn't have them come to visit and things like that but what I try to think about is you know I had we were so still in my home. It was just me, my husband and my baby. And we were able to bond, I think in such a way that we wouldn't have had before. It was just the three of us. And we really had to lean on each other. And I think even my relationship with my husband is forever changed because I had to lean on him in such a different way that I don't think I would have before. If if my mom or my sisters would have been able to come to visit, I might've naturally gravitated towards that female bond. But, you know, I, I had to lean on my husband. Um, and our family dynamic um, was completely different because of the environment we were in. And I think we would have had a completely different experience if, if we weren't in a pandemic. If, if I had to not do a turning pandemic, I think I would. <laughs> but sure. you try to look at those bright sides of it. There's an opportunity everywhere. Yes, absolutely. Now, uh, I'm based in London, uh, and over here we have pretty generous sort of maternity leave policies yeah. and um, sort of additional support, even for fathers now, um, in, in taking some time off with, with, their, with their children. And we sort of go, oh, the US, yes, it's very short. Yeah. What are they thinking um, as, as true Europeans? Um, but mm-hmm. what's, in your opinion, what's the support that can be provided from the workplace? And that could be emotionally, practically, because by, for all intents and purposes, I bet as you were leading into, uh, you know, I've got to take some time off for, for my baby, you know, we can think, I'm so healthy and good. I've got this. I have studied, you know, I know everything that's going to happen. We think we, yeah. you know, so we'll be like, I'll be back in three weeks. I'll be back in two months. Like, I'm good. And yeah. then the experience can be extremely dif- different. Mm-hmm. So what can, you know, and, and sometimes people within uh, HR or managers, they may not have kids or they may be male and not have experience, you know. And so, like, what do they need to know just about maybe the psychological and physical impacts um, to su- and how can they support effectively? So somebody who's returning to work. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it, thankfully, I had a really good experience coming back to work. Um, I had someone who was covering my maternity leave while I was gone. So, so when I came back, it was, it was a slow ease back into work. So that's what I recommend to anybody who has an employee that is returning back to work. Don't just welcome them back and then completely dump everything on their plate. It's a transition. So you need to make it a transition and the transition isn't a light switch. It's a, it's a slow progression of getting them back and and accustomed to the working environment and to be empathetic. Um, Again, not everyone, to your point, can personally relate to, you know, having a child or having a child during a pandemic and the additional stress that that gives, but they can relate to other stresses and to other transitions in their life, um, you know, whatever that may be. So it's all about relating, taking the time and going slow at pace. Um, and that's, and that's even the recommendation you give to the employees coming back is don't rush yourself, take your time, 
because the last thing you want to do is is burn out very quickly. And like I said, thankfully, I had such a slow transition because I had one of my employees who was fully pretty much doing my job. And so I was able to take pieces back slowly um, and at a comfortable pace that, that felt good for me and for my family that was able to make me um, be able to work productively. What, how do you feel about being quite open at work about our mental health? So of course your specific story is, you know, having postpartum and, and the yeah. impact there, but also people might think, well, of course, having a baby, like there's been a cause, you know, cause and effect of, of why, right. why this might be affecting you and may have less understanding for somebody who's got depression, who, where, where, where it might be less visible or less of an obvious cause. Um, is the workplace a place to be open about our stories in that way? So I think before, right, you, you rarely would hear something about mental health. I think it would happen during like mental health awareness month or week or whatever that sure. looks like. Like that would be the that would be the one time you would hear about mental health. Um or whenever there was a push from HR because it was yeah. that that time of the month or what have you. Yeah. Um but now it, I think it's again because so many people are facing with some type of degree of it, it it's discussed more now than ever. And, and me personally, as a leader and leading a team, I've been very open with, with my struggles and, and with my, um, you know, the stresses that are happening in my life, because again, it, it's all about that leading by example. It, when you provide that environment and that safe space to talk about it, it's going to make your employees feel like it's safe for them to talk about it. Um, cause that's the one thing we don't want to have. We don't want people to keep it buried and to feel like it's not safe to say something or, um, to ask for some type of time off or leave it in the fear that it's going to make them feel weak or that it's going to negatively impact them. Um, you know, the fact that our leaders are coming out and saying, I'm dealing with this. Let me tell you my personal story. That's what really helps lead the way for other employees to feel open about talking about it at work. Cause Pre-pandemic, I don't think we heard a lot about it. And now every single day, we open up our meetings with a safety and a wellness message. Um, any major meetings, we have like more than five people. Um, we always start with that because it's top of mind for everyone. And we want to build a culture where it's safe to say something. So really just um, kind of incorporating it into meetings and structures, but also, yeah. again, we can't expect other people to be open if we as leaders aren't willing yeah. and able uh, to, to be open ourselves. Um, I've often heard, and, this, uh, and I'm not saying this relates to your story, but with the thing yeah. around maternity cover, so where there's an internal employee perhaps stepping up, perhaps taking on a, a bit more, and then that return to work, um, there can sometimes be a little bit of friction just around who's getting credit for what, whose project was what, and perhaps, you know, enjoying the, 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 the work and, and, you know, the, some resentment or like that transitioning from an emotional level as well as just the practical transition level. Um, what, what, do you, what would you say to that? Is there, how, do we need to be sensitive about that? Yeah, and, and it's definitely a case by case basis. I can I can definitely personally speak to the experience that I had. So originally, um, my company actually, thankfully in the US gives um, a pretty good maternity leave to US standards. So I was actually capable of taking about the first five um, to almost six months of my child's um, uh, taking that parental bonding leave. Actually, this past Monday would have been my uh, original 
pre-planned um, day back to work. Okay. Um, but because of the pandemic, I, I actually ended up going back to work um, quite sooner than I had planned um, in the hopes that I'm going to take more of this maternity um, time later on the year when hopefully things are better. But honestly, who knows what's going to happen. So I actually was faced with a unique situation where I had given one of my employees the opportunity and saying, hey, we're giving you this developmental opportunity to have my role for the next six months almost. Yeah. Um, and she was very excited for that um, and what that could bring. And so when I had decided to come back essentially two to three months early, I had some concerns of, am I stealing this opportunity from her? Like, yeah. sure, it might be the best decision for me, but I don't want that to negatively impact her. Um, and I brought that to her with an open conversation um, to get her thoughts and feelings about it. Um, and I was able to make adjustments in the work that I was doing um, once I came back and to take on different projects. That way I didn't take that experience from her. Um, again, it, it, it's case by case. And I think in, in my situation, we had a very open dialogue. It wasn't something that we didn't talk about because I was very conscious that she was excited about this. She was excited about having the extra responsibility. And I didn't want to just come back and say, hey, thank you. I'm going to take everything Change back now. Mind. You know, have a good day. Yeah. Um, and it's also about appreciating and recognizing them. So within my company, we have a, a great uh, appreciation and recognition system. And we use that to really express to that employee of how grateful we were for the work that they did in my absence. Um, and we continue to pro provide them developmental opportunities even once I got back. So it's all it's all around having the open dialogue, really appreciating and recognizing for the work and the coverage that they're providing. Um, and especially in the UK, I'm sure it's different when they're covering for them for a full year. Right. Um, but it's it's case by case. And it's all about not blurring, not um, not the word blurring, but not just you know, rolling over, rolling past it. You really want to talk about it. Well, that's what I'm hearing in everything you're saying is transparency and openness. Yeah. So even yep. as a leader going, hey, these are my concerns and worries. Um, what do you think? How can we make this work for you? So it's that open dialogue and you need a level of psychological safety within the business or at least within the relationships with the teams in order to, to make that happen. Um, so I'd love to just um, future focus for a minute. Uh, we, we have been in some way just uh, thinking about the pandemic and how it's, it's affected the conversation around mental health. Do you think the world is forever changed? So even if we go back to some level of normal and we go back into our offices, um, do you think just from an emotional place um, of, of connection and this conversation that's now sort of opening up around mental health, do you think we're forever changed or could we go back to a place of this is my work life and this is my home life? I mean, I, I honestly, um, at this point, I, I think we are forever changed. Um, I think this pandemic has, has truly shaken the entire world um, and just and how we work. And, and, and even why I say that, I think even companies are finding, you know, remote working, um, taking a stance that they're going to continue on with it for the next few years or for the forever future. Um, and just because we're able to find that, you know, people can be productive working from home. Like we don't have to have them rigid in a seat where a manager can see them in order for that work to be done. Um, and it gives you a lot of flexibility in regards of your talent sourcing strategy um, and, and also, I mean, although, right, there are stresses with working remotely because, um, you know, we're dealing with the challenges of, of schools not being open currently. So, you know, children are at home and you're having to balance that. 
but that remote working, it also offers a benefit to that work-life balance, right? So you don't have to commute in every day. You're providing a cleaner energy future by not taking your car on the road and having those gas emissions go up into the air. Um, you're able to to exercise now a little bit more where maybe you didn't have the time before because you, you were in the car for three hours of the yeah. day commuting to work and things like that. So there are so, so many benefits to it. Um, and then again, I think the dialogue we've been having about mental health um, because it's kind of like that thing, uh, what's that saying? Where like you've opened a can of worms or whatever, like you can't close box. it, right? Yeah, yeah right. So you yeah. Can't, right, it's opened, you can't close it back up again. So I, I think it's it's part of that. You know, I could see it, you know, maybe losing a little bit of its steam if we got back to a somewhat normal type environment. But I think it's always going to be this new normal. Um, and, and it's going to be a topic because now we all, have these personal experiences that we can relate and think back to. Um, and, and whether you're openly sharing them or not, I'm, I'm definitely finding that people are sharing more now than they've ever before about their personal life and about their personal experiences um, that are, you know, unwork related, but in the work environment. Um, so I, I do think um, the world is forever changed and, you know, and, and as managers and leaders, we have to change our style to 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 meet employees where they're at currently. Yeah, and there's an argument that um, you know the impact of trauma or collective trauma or the amount of adrenaline and anxiety that we've been facing um, has a, a long-term impact. So it isn't yeah. just experience it, let it go. It's like oh, we feel it in our cells, our body memory yeah. sort of builds that trauma up over time. So it's likely that even if we're back to the structural normal, the yeah. emotional component may be uh, sort of with us a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. How do you handle um, uh, what I imagine you still have some anxieties and worries uh, and fears? Do you have any mindset tricks that just help you uh, stay focused on you know, your own well-being and looking after yourself? Yeah, I mean, so I've actually, I, I've just recently made the move um, to Albany, New York, where I was, I was recently living in Massachusetts. And we actually moved out here because we have family out in, out in okay. this area. Um, so it was to get additional support and, and to have a, another home environment to turn to, again, where we felt safe going into that home where they're taking the pandemic seriously, and being able to lean on additional family and friends, because I am an extrovert. You can ask anyone. My, my husband is an introvert. So I, this pandemic, he's been thriving in it. <laughs> he yeah. has said no problem staying at home and, you know, watching TV or playing video games or what have you. But me personally, not having social interaction uh, was so incredibly difficult. Um, so for me, and especially with a child, right, it, it's hard to take time for yourself out of the day. Um, and because even now I, I physically am I'm not able to do the level of exercise I had such joy in doing before, I've had to turn to other things that provide me joy and other things that give me time to, um, to just give me that me time, right? Um, to, to give back to myself and to fill my cup, um, whether that be, you know, taking time for, for prayer or self-reflection. Um, that that's something that's always given me comfort and my spirituality even um, of just asking for help in, in God or in family or whatever that looks like. You have to turn to things that you're able to turn to in these times. Because again, right where you used to turn to say, hey, to have a friend come over for coffee where that might not be comfortable or something, you know, that 
that that provides fear in you now, maybe it's something different. So it's all about changing the way we do things. And it's not going to be the exact fit that we had before. But um, I'm constantly just trying to find other ways, again, to fill my cup, to provide me joy and to take moments for myself. Um, Because it's very difficult um, in today's world. And uh, and again, very difficult for me as a first time mom, too. We've got to be so adaptable. And I think you're absolutely right. Those of us who are extroverts are kind of like struggling. It's it's sort of, I think the introverts are sort of laughing behind the scenes going, you guys did so well in the office environments. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) It's our turn now sort of thing, right? Yep. That's interesting that you're, you're in a relationship with, with an introvert as well. But I think we've got to be more creative. Uh, I love what you're saying, just about filling our cup uh, and moving forward in, in a different way. So um, for our listeners, the world may just be forever changed. Uh, great uh, practical tips from Selena. Just if you're, if you're a team leader, how do you open up and lead by example? Thank you so much, Selena, for all your thoughts and wisdom. And we wish you and your little family all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for having me. I had a great time. As always, we've covered a lot of areas that you may feel you want to learn more about. If you would like a free well-being assessment for your company, email us at hello at petravelzebor.com. That's hello at P-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-Z-E-B-O-E-R.com or check out our website, petravelzebor.com.